0: Welcome back to a Valley Sports Plug Roundtable. It is September twenty 2023. I'm your host, Chris Patrick, and with me tonight is my co-host, the one and only Michael Benjamin. What is going on?
1: Chris, what's happening, man? The women are in Miami, and we have a big piece that has been part of the Phoenix Suns franchise for the past five years headed to the Pacific Northwest. So, we got a lot to talk about tonight, man, but I'm excited. How are you doing tonight?
0: Man, I'm doing pretty good. I can't even complain. The sports season is finally in full swing. Might have some playoff baseball in the Valley. Uh, that big DeAndre Ayton news, of course, we're going to dive right into that here. Um, that Cardinals win against the Cowboys, man, just absolutely incredible. Uh, we just, You mentioned the ladies are in Miami. We just got back from our trip in Pittsburgh. Uh, that was an absolute blast. Um, we could maybe share some stories from there. Uh, we got to see Nick Chubb and his season. Unfortunately, that was tough to see. But without further ado, and so we can get into these topics, let's interview. Let's not interview. Let's introduce our very special guest. Uh, he's been on the show a couple times. Welcome back, Nico, ladies and gentlemen.
2: What up, guys? What up, what up? How we doing? Yo, yeah.
0: doing good, man. How are you?
2: Living, living out here with, I mean, you know, all the big news going on recently. The Valley's buzzing. It's uh, the place to be right now as far as the sports world is concerned. So, gotta love it.
0: Absolutely. Things maybe starting to look up a little bit. Uh, So, I want to get into that big news. You see the jerseys behind you, some guys involved in the big trade, Yusuf Nurkic and Damian Lillard. Uh, just to kind of break that down for anybody who might be living under a rock, um, the Mil- it was a three-team trade. The Milwaukee Bucks got Damian Lillard from Portland. The Portland Trailblazers received in return Drew Holiday, some draft considerations, DeAndre Ayton from the Phoenix Suns, and uh, Tumani Kamara, who we just recently drafted, I think with our second-round pick this last, uh, last draft. Uh, the Phoenix Suns get back Yusuf Nurkic, like I mentioned, from Portland, Nazir Little from Portland, Keon Johnson, and then Grayson Allen, From Milwaukee. I was just reading that uh, they are expected to waive Keon Johnson, so he might not be suiting up for the Suns. But the additions of Nurkic and uh, Little there, as well as Grayson Allen even, uh, he's kind of a polarizing figure. A lot of people have some mixed opinions about him. But then also the giant storyline of what Damian Lillard's going to be able to do alongside Giannis Antetokounmpo, a very scary duo, I would imagine there. They still got Chris Middleton too, I'm pretty sure. Um, but Mike, what is uh, what is just your first like gut reaction when you heard that news, got the trade alert that DeAndre Aiton is heading to Portland?
1: I got to take a deep breath just to start, right? We, <laughs> there's just so much to dissect with why this trade happened, what teams truly get better from it. But When I first heard the news, I was in a little bit of a blender, guys, to be honest with you. I was leaning either way. There's positives and there's negatives that come from it. And I know we're going to get into it. So I'm going to just be straight out front with it. We're going to dive into it a little bit more. I know it, but I'll be honest with you, and it might be a hot take. I think the Phoenix Suns got better by getting rid of DeAndre Ayton. And that's where I'll leave it. And I'll let the floor go to somebody else before we dive into it.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a great point and great place to start. Nico, would you say that it was a good move by the Suns to get rid of Aiton, and is Nurkic enough of a return there?
2: Uh, i say it's uh, getting better by subtraction, which kind of really stinks to say about somebody that you spent a first-round draft pick on, Um, but it it really is it's, its addition by subtraction. We added depth, which we desperately needed, um, as we've mentioned before, I was a Portland Trailblazer season ticket holder. Um, I was there for Nasir's little, Little's rookie season. Um, I think that dude is going to be a sneaky, good acquisition for the Phoenix Suns. Um, that's a three and D defensive wing that I think is completely undervalued. Um, as far as just him personally as a player. Um, and I think that the Suns got a steal out of that. Um, Grayson Allen, like you said, polarizing figure. He's one of those guys like Pat Bev where you love him if he's on your team, but you hate him when he plays for the other team. So get ready to see a bunch of kids walking around with Grayson Allen jerseys because I have a feeling that's going to be on the way. Um, I do. I think we got better, which I do think is a hot take um, because we did give up a – I mean, at the end of the day, man, a 25-year-old center that still has some room to grow. Um, It'll be interesting to see what Portland puts together because I really – I really think that they blew. I really think that they blew it on this trade. Um, you traded Damian Lillard, and you got a couple of first round picks from 29 and 30, and then uh, DeAndre Ayton. And you traded not just like a superstar, but I mean, this man's been loyal to Portland since day one. Um, has come out and said that he's not going to go anywhere. He's not going to test free agency. He re upped on trust that the organization was going to build around him and Joe Cronin. And Neil O'Shea blew that. Both those GMs are responsible for the fact that Damian Lillard is not a Portland trailblazer. And I think that the Portland faithful need to look in the mirror and understand that we need to thank and appreciate Damian for what he did for the city and the basketball team. And just hope that if it's if it's not the Suns, man, I do hope that it is the Bucs because I want to see Dan get that ring.
0: Oof! Wishing the Bucks get a ring for Dame.
1: Now, now that might be the hottest of takes. That because he's so just far. leaving us Woo.
0: right on that. Oh my goodness! But yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying about them not building around Dame. I was listening to the local sports radio here today and they had a beat writer on out there in oregon who basically was saying that the morning of the loss of damian lillard happened months ago and everyone kind of saw this coming knew he wasn't coming back to the team it's like kind of now the era of scoot henderson you throw deandre and in the mix there it could be a it could be an interesting young team i definitely don't expect them to be competitors in the west right away um but yeah i don't know maybe they fulfill the promise with them that they couldn't with damian lillard like you said they didn't build around him, which it's like, I, I guess you can't really say they didn't try. There was the whole LaMarcus Aldridge era, and they brought in C.J. McCollum or drafted C.J. McCollum, and he kind of came into his own, but the two-guard thing just didn't kind of really work out for them. Uh, the, Portland had some good teams here and there, but we're never able to reach that that next hurdle to the, to the pinnacle there. But in talking about getting rid of DeAndre Ayton, and that same guy that was on giving that interview from Oregon was saying that one of the criticisms of Nurkic is kind of his low motor – which is kind of red flags for me, right, Mike? Because that's one of the big things we heard about DeAndre Ayton. So it's kind of like, are we out of the frying pan and into the fire, in in a sense?
1: That's always a a tough situation where you have hearsay from something that happened in another organization. I think you have to look at it as a fresh start for all of these guys, right? Yusuf Nurkic is coming into a brand new scenario after having plenty of injuries over the past five seasons. I mean, he hasn't played 70 games since 2018, 2019. You know, you talk about his compound fracture, plantar fasciitis, his wrist injury. The guy has been through the ringer when it comes to injuries. But the same way that we can look at for DeAndre Ayton, this is a breath of fresh air for them. And if you talk about Nurkic coming into this scenario, you're coming to a title contender. So you should automatically have the energy and the effort that is needed to the point where we continue to question that from DeAndre Ayton after our finals run, right? You know, we have to give DeAndre Ayton props for what he was able to do and take that those next level steps in those two months during that run in 2021, but he just was never able to match it. And we know what happened with Monty Williams, the fighting on the sideline. And one of the big things that I look back to guys is game five in Denver where a similar scenario happened, and it wasn't even just towards Monty Williams from DeAndre Ayton. It was towards the big two. It was towards Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. So overall, when you come back to this, I'm still in the same boat with Nico, where you say you get better because of addition by subtraction. You didn't get better by the players you truly added, right? You do add depth, but Yusuf Nurkic is a step down. We know that. If you're a basketball fan, you understand that, especially for an injury-prone type of guy. But it was really just that time for both parties to go their separate ways and get a fresh start. Because for the Phoenix Suns, man, it's this year or next year and bust. And we have five years of knowing what kind of player DeAndre Ayton was, even when the culture started to shift, and we still had those type of questions. So... I'm going to give Nurkic a grace period here to show that he's ready to do it. But I think it shouldn't be a question right now until he gets into, you know, the system. He's going to have to understand that he's going to be a fourth or fifth type of option when he's on the floor, depending on how they stagger those lineups. But if he's a starter, you know, he's going to have to do the little dirty things, get in the screen and rolls, find those guys off of drives and whatnot and it's going to be interesting to see on the defensive end as well because we know we're going to have to make some adjustments because we're not going to be able to switch like DA used to but I just think the biggest thing at the end of the day was the morale between both the team everybody in that organization and the big time players and DeAndre Ayton everybody was ready to step away and get that breath of fresh air like I said
0: I do agree with what you guys are saying about it being addition by subtraction. I think DeAndre Ayton wants to be a focal point of an offense. He wants to have the guy being the ball with having the ball in his hands and doing the scoring. It seems like he gets a little disinterested if he's not getting involved on the offense. And that was a storyline that kind of kept coming out. Uh, I it, su- it sucks though, because I did see like how good he was doing with the Bohemian national team. And I think all of us kind of hoped that DeAndre would take that next step and have that growth and maturity. But it just seems like the consensus is that he's just that low motor guy that doesn't want to work hard. And we need those guys that want to be or are capable of playing that role, being the fourth or fifth option, like Nurkic, like Grayson Allen. I think there's going to be times in the season when Booker's double teamed, Durant could be double teamed. And that really opens up the floor for guys like Grayson Allen to knock down open shots and things like that. Uh, What was, what was like your biggest takeaway from the trade
2: Nico, as far as which team might be the biggest winner here? Um, I mean, it's hard not to look at Milwaukee and say they automatically got exponentially better. I mean, uh, Damian Lillard, no offense to Drew Holiday, who is one of the best defensive point guards in the league. Um, Damian Lillard is, you know, top 75 player of all time. Um, I mean, the man has a jacket to prove it. So Uh, It's hard to say the Bucs didn't get ultimately better. I will go out on a limb, though, and say that I do think that the Suns improved the most out of this trade. Um, I think it added depth, which was sorely needed. I think that uh, Yusef Nurkic is going to provide something that D.A. didn't. Um, Nurkic is one of the best passing big men in the league. Um, If you watch what he does with the ball, the way he was able to find C.J., the way that he was able to find Dame on plays that, like, in the arena, you didn't see it. Um, you know, I think that that adds a massive adjustment to our lineup. You put the ball down low, let Nurk get that big body on him, and then Nurk sees a behind the the head pass to cutting KD. You know, na 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 na, we're gonna be on ESPN all day long. So I think that that does make our team better. Um, I think the depth makes our team better. I think the biggest thing is not the flashiness of this trade for us; it's the fact that we got we got defensive reassurance in this trade. Um, Nurkic is a decent defender. He's not a great defender. He's a decent defender. Um, Grayson Allen and Nasir Little, both those guys are good. If not, if you want to talk about Grayson Allen, a great perimeter defender. Um, I think that we got better exponentially on the defensive end of things. Um, So we're not necessarily just a watch the other team go score and then we're going to outscore them 160 to 140 team. So. (sighs)
0: Yeah, I think definitely adding that defensive presence is going to help us and going to go a long way. Uh, Mike, are you sad to see the Tumani-Kamara era come to an end so quickly? It was so short-lived, man. I can't believe it. Uh, uh, To an extent, yeah. Uh,
1: He was a promising second-round pick. You know, we were going to have to build our G League team around him as well since it sounds like we're finally going to be getting one back. We had those two-way guys like Sabin Lee, And now with the addition of those four other players, it sounds like they're going to have to make moves for at least two of these guys to get to that, you know, threshold for the roster. And it sounds like it's probably going to be Keon Johnson and unfortunately, Ish Wainwright, who I know has started to become, you know, a a friendly face to the fans in Phoenix. So uh, he still was just so unknown. He was going to be far away from really being a factor on this team. But the other thing we have to remember guys is, we're so far over the luxury tax we need to start hitting on some of these guys for the future right because yes you've built it all for right now you're putting all your eggs in the basket but right for right now but you still don't want to fall back into a situation of 2010 to 2020 where we're winning 19 games because these guys finally retire and we just don't have enough firepower to keep up with where the NBA has gone it, Second round picks are always a crapshoot. I mean, hell, we talked about this too. Lottery picks, guys in the second half of the first round, you still don't know what the hell you're going to get out of them, all, you know, plenty of times. You could talk about the Portland trail, Trailblazers, Shade and Sharp. He was a guy who was a, a late draft pick, and he st- seems to be an up and coming stud, uh, given the opportunities, and he's going to have plenty in Portland. But yeah, it's. It, it, it's always tough to lose assets when you start to build them into something that you're looking at for the future. I know what happened this off season, So we didn't have any real game tape either than the summer league, but you know, when guys become attached to those names and you have weeks and weeks kind of go by and you see them as part of your ball club, it's always a little bit disheartening to see them go, no matter who it is, unless Chris, you would probably say unless it's Landry Shamit.
0: Oh my goodness! I was I was gonna drive Landry Shamit to the airport myself. I couldn't wait to get him out of town, honestly. But no, I hear what you're saying. Like it, it's sad for me to continue to see these guys who are excited to be here, the opportunity to play with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant in a team that has a lot of attention on it. It's gonna have a lot of primetime games. A uh, great chance to pick the brains of those guys and get some good exposure in the process, and then just to be moved in these deals which you can't really blame them at the end of the day it's part of the business and they all understand that to an extent but it's crazy to me like i'm sure you've all heard that devin booker is the only one left on the roster from that finals team just two years ago in 2021 so i guess two three seasons ago and it just it doesn't feel like that long ago but now he's the only one left and chris paul's in um in san francisco and, and golden state and mikhail bridges and Cam Johnson are out in New York and these guys have all gone to other places and Monty Williams is in the, in the Pistons uh, coaching over there. So I I worry that they won't be able to put it all together in time, especially the continued narrative we've had uh, of these guys all kind of being a little bit injury prone uh, between Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker. None of them have played a full season. I don't think in the last two or three years, collectively and I I don't know it seems like the NBA is kind of moving more towards like a one-on-one kind of matchup thing Uh, a lot of iso ball which I have mixed feelings about we can get into that some more but I want to ask you like Nico to get you involved here do you think that they're going to have any trouble gelling and putting it all together in time to make a playoff
2: run I don't know man I think the whole theme in the offseason at least from what we've seen at the Suns uh, social media is that these guys have been working together in some fashion Um, whether it be Eric Gordon and DA for team Bahamas, or whether it be KD and D book doing pickup games, Uh, you know, it seems like these, these guys have been trying to get together. I think that's one of the downfalls of this whole Nurkic trade DA trade is that you now put another fresh piece into this team with a month to go before the season starts. Um, I mean, look, the Cardinals did it with Josh Dobbs and it, it's been okay so far, but like, I don't know if that's a normal uh, tactic that we want to take is uh, adding key pieces to our starting lineup a month out of the season. Um, so I do, I do worry. I do worry. Um, at the end of the day, these guys are premier basketball players. We're talking about some of the best players in the world, specifically on this Suns roster. So, you know, if they can't figure out how to, how to, how to get it together, you know, I, I, I have, I have faith. It may not be a month. We, it may be, we may be two weeks into the season going, what the hell is going on, but uh, they'll get it together within probably that six week span.
1: Yeah. I want to jump on this one as well, guys. The first preseason game is on October 8th. So we're talking about just a couple of days away before this new newly formed team is on the floor together, trying to figure things out, but yes, a lot of these guys have, year, have tenure within the league. That's a beautiful thing. Even these one, two-year signings with Keita Bates-Jop, Yuta Watanabe. You, know, you can talk about Eric Gordon. He's been a veteran 12 plus 15 years, whatever. You know, So these are guys who have been on plenty of rosters and seen the movement. I think one thing to be cognizant about as well is – I feel like it's always a bit harder to get things really fleshed out on the defensive end comparative to the offensive end, especially when you're talking about superstar players and guys who can just put the ball in the bucket, like a Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker. They're going to find their way to flesh together, understand spots, and whatnot. But the beautiful thing about this is, having a head coach who is defensive focused with Frank Vogel, he's going to get them into the gym early to make sure that they're all on the same page defensively. And then we could probably see some things take some time to start on the offensive end. But instead of trading for somebody at the halfway mark or December and trying to get them ready for a postseason run, you make the moves right now. And you give them at least training camp to start getting to know each other for those new guys who just came in, who weren't working with everybody during the summer, and give them a chance to get rolling right off the bat. But guys, at the same time, I don't know if the Suns are done. They might not be, which is crazy to think about it. The amount of moves that they've made this offseason and to pull this one off a week before training camp, you just never know. You know, you've heard things like TJ McConnell. I think the biggest shoe to drop as well, he's not coming here, but Drew Holiday, how does that factor into him going to a contender in the West? That's where, I'll pass it over to you, Chris, that's where some of the trade maybe didn't make sense from a standpoint for the Phoenix Suns to not be able to get Drew Holiday from it,
0: right? Yeah, I don't know that. That is a lot of guards that you end up having to feed if you get a Drew Holiday as well. Ah, it is it is enticing though because he's a, a hell of a ball player. I'll tell you what, guys, all these moves that the Suns have made just absolutely have my head spinning. I was talking about these young guys they keep cutting, and everyone wants to be here, so it's kind of we're spoiled in that regard. I also heard that Eubanks and Nurkic have a little bit of uh, history and some chemistry together. Uh, so that could bode well for, for us, them already having that familiarity as well as if nausea or little get, comes in and gets playing time, but the suns continue to just be so deep. It's hard to imagine, you know, how many of these guys are going to get significant minutes, especially with guys like our big three, if you'll call them that in Booker Beal and Durant, where they're all going to pretty much command 35 to 40 minutes plus, depending on their health and the game and the situation, obviously, uh i'm just i it's crazy man i'm, I'm super optimistic and I, I agree with everything you said there mike as far as them getting the moves done now to have the time for them to build that camaraderie where they can work out those kinks and it doesn't have to be a historic win record-breaking season they just have to be able to get a decent playoff spot build that chemistry and stay healthy is my biggest thing it's Something I think we see so much in sports these days, and it's maybe for better or worse with more precaution towards player health and safety. Uh, but guys that just seem to miss a lot more time than they used to, and I don't really want to go down that rabbit hole because I don't know enough about it. <laughs> but
1: Well, maybe that's why the Suns made all of these different signings in the offseason. They're all insurance policies, man. You're on it. I think you're <laughs> <Right>? on <onto> it. We <laughs> really so. can't policy. lose all of them. They can't yeah. all be, be But down the now table. you got – what you look at, we got six to seven guys who are between six two and six five. Bradley Beal hasn't been able to play a full season for a long time. Maybe Grayson Allen is going to be able to get more minutes now coming in. At some point, if Eric if Eric Gordon stays healthy, he'll slide into that starting lineup. You know, we can almost factor in a hamstring injury every year where Devin Booker misses a month. Same thing, start sliding those guys in. Maybe you get bigger, give Nasir little a little bit more minutes, a little bit more run. And now I think one of the biggest things that flew under the radar for us was the signing of Chemezi Metu. When you looked at the roster and you said, why did we need to sign another big guy, especially after you brought in Bol Bol, because you talk about the promise that Drew Eubanks has, and we know that Bol Bol took a nice step forward last year with the Orlando Magic. Where's Chemezi going to fit in? Dude, they've been trying to move DA for a long time. They've been trying to move him since the offseason, since the playoffs ended. I I could promise you that. I don't know front office people who are going to tell me that and who are really going to tell anybody that. But you can read the writing on the wall, man. This has been going on. The DeAndre saga, the DeAndre Ayton saga has been going on for the past two years. At some point, the the well runs dry and you have to move forward. And I know a lot of people were excited to see what Frank Vogel might have been able to bring out of DeAndre Ayton. But we also have to talk about the time that was already spent. Five years is too long to understand that a number one overall pick has to assert his dominance without having to be given a carrot at the end of the day. That's what it comes down to.
0: No, you're absolutely right. You got my gears totally turning here. And I know know we were going to go long on this topic and a lot of passionate takes about DeAndre Ayton and his tenure here. But you got me thinking, Mike, because you're absolutely right. We had high expectations of a number one overall pick and at the time really needed a center that was going to be able to be impactful and forceful and aggressive. Just what do you guys think the return would be right now if a Luka Doncic or a Trey Young to be were
2: to be traded? Would it be a use of Nurkic? No, no, no. That's a two K trade with the with the trade agreement off. Like, no, no way. You'd be seeing you'd be seeing similar
1: return that the Suns had to give up for Kevin Durant.
2: Yeah, exactly. Talking
1: about five first round picks, lottery swaps protection all this nonsense and an all-star and somebody who might find themselves getting close to an all-star game as well guys who are going to be huge contributors I mean for DeAndre Ayton to only scrap out what at the end of the day you know Milwaukee had to give up even more picks right and they only had to give up Grayson Allen and Drew Holiday in regards to players where yeah that's a big hit for the Bucks I mean the Bucks are going to take some time to get things moving, especially on the defensive end. But to see that return for a number one overall pick, it's kind of crazy at the end of the day. But and this is a great question for you guys too, right? At the end of the day, did the Phoenix Suns make the right decision by picking DeAndre Ayton? And I might have a crazy take. I still think they did because – I don't know how the pairing of Luka Doncic and Devin Booker would really have fit. Would he have driven Devin Booker to the high ends kind of the way that Jalen Bronson went to New York? Now, I know Jalen went to chase the money, but Dallas just gave Kyrie a nice bag. He could have stayed and, and made that money. And we know he kind of has some, he might rub some guys the wrong way. So I, I don't know. I still think I would take a finals run within his first three years of a career and fit with Chris Paul and start to change this culture over than taking a Luka Doncic but maybe that's because I'm just a homer and maybe that's because I just don't like Luka Doncic that much (laughs) but
0: love him as a player don't love him as a guy I, I don't think you're too far off base and Nico I want you to take this next but I just had to interject here real quick as I'm doing some quick on the fly research Luca was taken third in this draft. I don't know if many people remember that. Uh Marvin Bagley the third was taken with the second pick. Uh Jaron Jackson Jr. with the fourth. Now he's kind of worked out for the Grizzlies. He's a double double machine and uh, wouldn't wouldn't really mind having him in a Suns jersey. But that was he's grown into that. Well, kind of like we expected DeAndre Ayton to grow into his role and he just didn't. Uh, then Trey Young was taken fifth. And then in that same draft, you have Mo Bombo, Wendell Carter, Colin Sexton, Kevin Knox, Mikhail Bridges, the guy we got, all, all great, all good players, good kind of role players, but not like those transcendent talents that Doncic and Trey Young have kind of become known to be. But a guy that I think would have been interesting, who's kind of starting to be in that air of conversation, is Colin Sexton. I'm sorry, not Colin Sexton, Shea Gildas Alexander, excuse me. That guy is impressive in what he's done with the Oklahoma City Thunder taking them to the playoffs last season when nobody thought they had a chance, but I don't want to sit here and do the, the, what could have, would have should have happened. We're talking about Deandre in number one overall pick. Mike, I I'm kind of leaning towards agreeing with you that it was the right choice for us at the time with the knowledge that we had, especially the local ties him going to the university of Arizona. But what do you think? Nico? (laughs) Yeah.
2: I, okay. So obviously with my, with this hat on my head, I have a biased opinion about any product that comes out of the (laughs) university of Arizona. Um, I, I look, I felt like even then that was a move to satisfy the Valley. That was a move to put cheeks and seats at the end of the day. It didn't matter if DeAndre Ayton was the best player or not. It was a top five pick from U of A end of story. Um, I think that the Suns were destined to pick that. Now I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I thought Trey young was going to be the answer either. Because from what I saw from Trey Young, I went, "Oh, this dude just wants to be Dame," and I don't know if he'll ever have that. Um, Luca's the only one that I'm butthurt about, and I do think you make a valid point, Mike, in the fact that we don't know what that backcourt would have shaped up um, like. Do I think that there would have been enough like ball handling between the two of them to handle it? Yeah. Do I think that we go to the like we're talking like NBA finals? Uh, three years in, I don't know if we have that with Luka. Um, I also don't think we make the move for Chris Paul, which I think was vital for our finals run. Um, so I do see where you're coming from. I've always stood on the side that Aiton was not the pick we needed to make. Um, as a matter of fact, I even think I wanted Marvin Bagley at one point, um, which is crazy Jeez. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now is that's a crazy take, but uh, I was – I was never sold on Aiden in college, just because you kind of saw the whole takes plays off thing, even at U of A, and um, even when he was by far the biggest, most dominant player on the floor in the Pac twelve, he was still taking plays off. Um, but no, I, I totally, I don't think it's that crazy of a take that that was the right move for the Suns to make. Um, just from an organizational standpoint, we were in the dumps, so had to do what we had to do.
1: Yeah. I know that's a that's a flame intake. Some people are going to be just calling for my head when it comes to that. But you did a great job of addressing the situations that come with it, right? Sometimes it's not just purely about the skill, right? It's about what fits with the team, who you're trying to build around. And the big thing for DeAndre Ayton was his Valley Roots. You're talking about a team that was in the dumps for a decade and to get their first First overall pick in franchise history, and have a guy who went to high school at Hillcrest Prep in the Valley in the Phoenix metro area, goes to U of A, dominates in the Pac-12. You know, didn't make a very deep run in the uh, the tournament that year, but you know, like he was a guy who had set a name for himself and had those Valley ties. It was just something that was probably for the organization an easier decision. I think something that we also have to remember at the same time was our head coach was Igor Kakashkov, who literally worked hand in hand with Luka Doncic. So maybe that was just the ineptitude coming to bite us in the butt at the end of the day, basically saying, you literally have the coach that worked with this kid. How is he not your decision? How do you not trade back to three the same way that Atlanta kind of moved to get their guy? How do you not make that happen? He was still unknown. He was still a young kid. But he played in the pros, what, since he was 15 years old? So he's playing against grown men early. I am not saying DeAndre Ayton is a better player than Luka Doncic, folks. That is not the words that are coming out of my mouth. We understand that. I'm just saying for what the time was in our franchise history and for what came from it over the past five years, I wouldn't take it back. Because then you're not talking about Kevin Durant having the pieces to bring him along. Guys wanting to build around Devin Booker. Our guy getting a freaking signature shoe line, which I wish we could talk about more today. But, of course, DeAndre Ayton gets traded, so we have to dominate with that. But, you know, none of that stuff would have happened if it would have went the other way. Then we would have been talking just about Luka Doncic and how transcendent of a player he is. And then Devin Booker takes a back seat instead of having one of the best playoffs You know in freaking time remembrance you know the efficiency that he had last year and this kid's only entering his prime so long-winded i know that's just where this trade has devolved i think over the past 48 hours somebody who you were invested in for so long hoping that he would make that turn now you start thinking more about the what ifs what could have went this way if you made this decision what could have went that way what could have been in the future and your mind just goes crazy. It's hard to really narrow down everything. But the ma- the moves
0: are made, and it's time to move forward. So, who Man, Mike, I think you just you just summed it up there. I, I think we could sit here all night, and I could probably go for a full hour, hour and a half, talking about this, spinning my wheel, wheels in circles. It's a mixed emotion, man, because I'm like not super excited that DeAndre Ayton got traded because I was really kind of looking forward to seeing what the whole – offense and the whole team look together like with him playing alongside those guys if they could really build him up if he was going to take those steps um but also kind of like the good riddance of it um like i don't mean to just kind of summarize everything you just said but like man like it, i i feel weird um will we'll definitely be keeping tabs on how that goes with uh, the suns it's interesting they do have a couple preseason games i think i saw against the pistons are their first one um, and then they do play back-to-back games against Portland a little bit later on in the middle of October there. Uh, preseason, so I mean, I don't know who's really going to be running, who's going to be playing, but uh, I guarantee you DeAndre going to want to play hard against the Suns. If, if anything were to put a chip on his shoulder, maybe this is it. Uh not really sure how he's feeling about it. But fellas, we're about 35 minutes into this round table podcast. Got a couple other topics on the slate tonight what do you say we talk some d-backs and uh their pursuit of a wild card spot kind of decompress a little bit take our mind off of the phoenix suns we got all of october to worry about them and uh get the nerves flowing for for that upcoming season mike we got a fantasy basketball draft that we're gonna have to organize we're we're still doing baby right oh absolutely come on now we're gonna figure it out you in for fantasy uh, basketball? Putting you on the spot? No, in
2: always career. in for fantasy, bro. Call me whenever.
0: Heck yeah, I, I just have to warn you, I'm really good at fantasy basketball. He, yeah, I've <laughs> won. Fun. I think That's three fun. out of the last four. Who else is really Who's good though? Come on, Mike. Who, Mike is pretty. Who good. Who won last Mike, year? Mike's, yeah, Mike's pretty good. <laughs> don't,
1: don't leave me out to
0: dry here, man. Come have you, on now. Nico? Have you done fantasy basketball?
2: Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's a lot more intensive than fantasy football is, that's for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah do you do, do you do points or stats? cats normally? I did points. Points. Okay. I I don't know about you, Mike, but I prefer I prefer the points for fantasy basketball. Don't love cats. Don't, don't love cats for don't basketball.
1: love cats. It's all about the points. I would say that fantasy basketball is right in the middle of here's fantasy baseball, then basketball, then football. If you're yeah. talking about are three major sports that we love because you still got to pay attention to it every day but like baseball man if it's a healthy scratch or a guy just gets an (laughs) off day like you you might be screwed (laughs) guys off your uh off your starting rotation it's like i needed those hits today damn it why didn't you tell me so
0: i think what's been rough for me kind of like along those lines is uh in this new age of uh player whatever player health player rest days it's like you might need LeBron James to have a you know really good day, but he's going to rest because he's old as shit and playing his 21st season or whatever.
2: Shouldn't have to worry about that anymore this year, though, right? With that rule change?
0: Yeah. Cracking down on it?
2: Yeah. Uh, now,
1: please correct me if I'm wrong, Nico. Isn't it like if they have certain threshold on guys who are like all-star caliber or made all-NBA Unless they're actually injured, you can't do healthy scratches like with two or more guys or something like that?
2: Yeah, so like with all your all-star, all-NBA calibers, you can't have – if they're not injured, you can't healthy scratch them. They have to play. It is based on age, though, from what I heard, and LeBron Mm -hmm. does fall into that age category. So they can technically healthy scratch LeBron because of his age, which, you know. The NBA has given LeBron a little bit of a handout. But.
1: Man's damn near 40. Yeah that's, yeah, that's fine.
2: Yeah, I mean, for what he's done for the league over the past 20-something years, yeah, it's okay.
1: Dude, the team that's going to be SOL is the Clippers, though. <laughs>
2: like, if... <laughs> yep. <laughs> that
1: rule was made to <laughs>
2: take Clippers <out>. <laughs> <laughs> It literally was.
1: Paul be... George, play in the playoffs, man. I don't know what to tell yeah. you. Like, that was yeah. what they saw, and it's like, no more of this, man.
2: He got They'll embarrassed be... by Dame one time, man. Didn't want to play again.
0: They'll be getting second opinions for Kawhi because the first doctor will say he's completely healthy, and then they'll get a second opinion and be like, "No, no, he's got a bruised uh, labia. He's gonna be <laughs> out for a couple weeks." <laughs> Fucking Kawhi, man. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's I, I love fantasy basketball and. Uh, the, the points is definitely the way to go. And with the, the resting of the players, I think my biggest thing with that was always kind of like this scenario. And maybe it's like a one-off and maybe it's very oddly specific, but like I think of just like a fan that's like a big, because being a fan of a player is a lot more common now than it used to be, especially with how accessible the sport is. So you have someone, say living in Milwaukee, who's a really huge Steph Curry fan and they save up all their money to get a ticket to the, the Bucks warriors game, which is not a cheap ticket. Nope. And then they get to the stadium with their Steph Curry jersey on and their sign and they're, they're decked out. And then Steph Curry's a healthy scratch and he's in there in street clothes. And that kid just paid all that money to see their favorite team, but their star player isn't playing. It's like you guys are getting paid millions of dollars to – for the fan it's for the fans like if there are no fans yeah. there's no money yeah. and i think i don't want to accuse like guys like steph curry or lebron james of like kind of forgetting that because obviously the their eye is on the championship and having deep playoff runs and i get the business side of it but just the fan side of it i think i've just always really had a problem with that and I'm sitting here now realizing that we we're gonna go talk about baseball. Wait, and- <laughs> wait but I got no, you've I got, got to me give, thinking now. Yeah, I gotta give
1: a little a little bit of a fantasy tidbit. I don't care if you guys are gonna be in the league, I've won plenty of times. If I don't win <laughs> this year, it doesn't matter. That's fine. Okay. Now with the other rule changes that have come into play with the awards, the all NBA teams, guys having to have to play what is it, 65 games a year keep an eye out if you're thinking about drafting some of these older guys keep an eye out on their contract situation if they're going into a contract here these other mid-level 20 to 40 50 you know ranked guys in the nba same thing because those contracts also stipulate guys who can get those max monies or boosts and that kind of stuff so guys are, want to, are going to want to make sure that they're out there as much as they possibly can be. And when it comes down to basketball, like you said, Chris, availability is what wins you leagues. Guys who are playing all the time, getting you points. So there's your little fantasy tidbit. Hopefully Chev would be proud. I know he's a football <laughs> guy, but I'm following in suit with him. So take it or leave it.
0: There we go, Mike. Then maybe that's a segment we can add uh, real quick to pass the outlet is like our fantasy basketball uh, advice and, and guys to keep, it, keep an eye on and keep track of. All about it. Let's do it. Man, but the Arizona Diamondbacks, Nico, you said it before we launched, man. They dropped the ball against the Chicago White Sox today. Uh, had a chance to win. What was the final score? Three to one in that one. We, we lost to Chicago. Man, so we're at 84 and 75 for the season uh phillies have secured their wild card spot so now i think is it three three total wild card spots to get taken up pull that up mike so the second i think the second spot is where the d backs are right now a game and a half ahead uh i think last time we checked in uh the braves were beating the the cubs and they still are five five three was the final there so perfect we still hold on to our uh one and a half game lead it looks like and uh Got the Marlins now in that third spot with the Cubs a half game back. Uh, I think the – the red is it the Red – the Cubs don't hold the tiebreaker over us. I think the Reds do, and I, I don't think we have to worry too much about that.
1: Reds hold the tiebreaker. Um, we beat the crap out of the Cubs the last two series over the past month, so we hold the tiebreaker over them. I'm not sure about Miami. I think we might hold it over them as well, but, yeah, man. Was hoping that we'd be able to uh, secure the dance today.
0: Unfortunately, I'm going to try and find a graphic. No, Nico, what are you what are you seeing?
2: I I just you know it's it stinks when you play a team like the White Sox that are in like a perennial just spiral, and this should be like a easy sewn up wild card victory. Give us the give us our, you know allow these guys to take like the last three games off against Houston. You know, maybe like Zach Allen, get some rest in and and get us ready for a playoff series. Instead, he's got to go to tomorrow night against Houston. And like, that's, I mean, that's just not ideal. That's not what you want. It's classic Arizona Dimebacks. They're going to make us wait until the last possible second. And then we will figure out whether we're in the playoffs or not.
0: Yeah, I saw, um, I was thinking it was was either Facebook or Twitter where I saw that they were already – Uh, kind of preparing uh, to sell their their playoff tickets and get wildcard ticket sales going so kind of getting a little ahead of their skis I hope they didn't jinx it and and a tough matchup against the Astros coming up this weekend right Mike to finish out the season
1: well yeah because you also have to look at Houston right now they're sitting in that last wildcard spot right now (laughs) Toronto is one game ahead of them But this is make or break for everybody at this point. But this is also a breath of fresh air from what we've seen since, what, 2017, right? It's literally going down to the wire to see if we can make the playoffs. And it's a far cry from where we were in July, where we were worried that they weren't even going to be sniffing the playoffs from their huge drought that they went through. But, man, it's just a testament. We look back to... The trade deadline as well. We were wondering about the moves that they really did make if it was something to put them over the edge. And I don't know about you guys, but obviously the big piece with Paul Seawald, he's been an absolute stud and has helped shore up this bullpen and got this team back on track. So it was a success at the end of the day, if you look at this. And I was texting you guys um, the other day, too, when I think we came back uh, and and just bulldoze the White Sox 15 to four after being down after Zach Davies. And I was basically like, man, I don't know. Is it because I haven't been paying attention enough over the past couple of years or have the Diamondbacks literally just cut bait on dudes immediately after they have proven that they're not worthy to be part of this roster to make this run? I mean, let me let me just list these guys off for you. Right. We start the year designated Madison Bumgarner. Then we go Peter Solomon, Seth Beer. Anthony Miskowski, Jose Ruiz, Connor Pilkington, Nabel Chrisman, Carson Kelly, Christian Robinson, Cole Sulcer, Nick Ahmed, and Zach Davies. It, they have had no problem letting guys walk if they aren't ready to be a part of the future for this team. And man, it's been crazy to see. I think the biggest ball to drop, obviously, was Madison Bumgarner to start the season, right? And I think that set the precedence for everything we've seen so far from the Diamondbacks. And the last thing I'll say, guys, is I have faith they're going to be able to scratch out one of these games against the Astros and secure that playoff spot. But, damn, man, has it been a wild ride so far, the ups and the downs? That's what it seems to be like with any professional (laughs) team, right? But this Diamondbacks season has really been – uh, a testament to the fortitude from these this young squad and you got to give props to this bullpen over the past month and really getting us to a point where you know we might be frisky as Tom would say risky and frisky in the playoffs man it's just where we want to be
0: yeah and thank goodness it's not just a one game playoff anymore and that we actually get a chance I think it's three games if we make the wild card which is how it should be in baseball it's kind of like a night-to-night proposition but I, I like your I like where where your head's at, Mike. I think the Diamondbacks certainly have a chance. The Astros aren't looking like world beaters right now by any means. So I think we can certainly take advantage and get get a win there. Uh, But also what you're saying about them cutting ties, man, like getting rid of Baumgartner was a great move. Kind of going through this revolving door of pitchers was a little frustrating. We kept saying that they needed to make some moves, didn't end up trading for a starting pitcher, but Brandon Fott seems to have finally found his footing and having some good starts. Zach Davies, good riddance, man. They they gave him plenty of chances, and I'm not, I'm not sad to see him go at all. Carson Kelly just pfft, bust, it did not turn out to be what we had hoped he was, and I think it was the last piece we had from that deal where we get, got rid of Paul Goldschmidt. And I don't mean to go off on too many tangents here, but when – to talk about replacing paul goldschmidt is a monumental task and christian walker was just supposed to be that stopgap guy the guy that kind of filled in at first base and could kind of hit kind of field but he his fielding has gotten better year over year his hitting has gotten better i think this was his first 100 rbi season uh he's doing absolutely incredible just what our bats are doing overall talking about side tangents Nico, how about Corbin Carroll being the first rookie in MLB history to have 25 home runs and 50 stolen bases in their rookie
2: season? I am the official leader of the Corbin Carroll fan club. This dude is by far the most one of the most electrifying players in baseball. If you are not paying attention to this kid for the next 10 years, you're going to be living under a rock because he's going to be all over sports center, all over ESPN, I mean to do what he's done in a rookie season. <clears throat> it's re- we're putting him in it, with names like Barry Bonds, like pre steroids Barry Bonds. Um, like we're talking about like someone like like Barry was one of the greatest baseball players before he ever put a needle in his butt. So like we're talking about like Corbin Carroll being in that in that company. That is one amazing for Corbin Carroll. Like over the moon happy for this kid. He's obviously worked his butt off. Um, number two, that's awesome for the Diamondbacks because that means one, we're doing something right in our farm league. We are doing something right in the farm system. That 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 dude played in Hillsboro, Oregon, for the Single A affiliate, Hills, Hillsboro Hops. Same team that Dansby Swanson played for. You know, like these guys are all coming through this structured uh, farm system, and it's it's no longer. I feel like are the days of like a guy like Corbin Carroll going to double A and then you know they're all working their way up in the sta- in the Diamondbacks organization. So um you know I don't I I don't think we've ever had a rookie this like electrifying. Um I don't know if we've even had a player this electrifying. Um the fact that the dude can swing for power and also hit an inside the park home run off a ball that just bounces backy um like that's I can't, I can't go on enough. I, I love, I love Corbin Carroll. I, I, you know, if I could invite this man to my wedding in November, he'd be, he'd be there. Like I, I just think he is what the Diamondbacks are looking for and, and need. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I've heard of buzz like this since I don't know, like Justin Upton that year before he won the MVP or before he was in the MVP race.
1: You should send him a DM and ask him to be the ring bearer, Nico.
2: Oh, I will with one of those fake Diamondbacks World Championship rings. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do All right after this. Uh, but
1: I, I think that's a good point, too, that you talk about the farm system and the success that you're seeing from it as well. I mean, you talk about Brandon Fott, man. He struggled. If you look at his his numbers this year, he's only three and nine. But he has had a really, really good second half of the season ever since his call-up. You know, had another shutout. Um, was it two two games ago? Five and two thirds, only five hits, eight K's. He's been strong. I think if we come down to a three-game series, he's gonna be that guy that they call upon after Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly. So the the one tough situation, I think, in regard to that as well, though, is some of the struggles that we've seen with Jordan Lawler since his call up and after uh the designation from Nick Ahmed I mean I'm kind of scared to pull up his stats guys what with... oh yeah
0: it's but, not been
1: great <laughs> I mean he's batting 148 uh, uh 27 at bats only though so uh, like we had talked about with him though it, it's not going to just be the impact that he makes hitting the baseball it's going to be can can he continue to make good feeling plays can he do what he needs to do to fit in with the culture right now and then we'll give him the grace period till next year everything that's happening at the end of this season I don't know I might pass this over to you Chris are you still okay with giving Jordan Lawler the call there instead of just rolling with Nick Ahmed to the end of the season because I think he was off a contract after that anyways I'm okay with it I don't know about you
0: yeah, uh, we were given Nick Ahmed a lot of money, and uh, for his services, we knew this was his last season. And with Jordan Lawler and the Wings, I think it makes sense to bring him up, especially when you have such a young core to have him grow with those guys like Corbin Carroll and start to build that rapport. I just, it's a great question, Mike. Honestly, it is because. His bat isn't necessarily where we need it to be, but he has made some good plays defensively. And Jordan, Jordan Lawler is a good defensive player. As was Nick Ahmed, don't get me wrong, but a little bit older, not going to be a part of this team's future. Uh, I don't know. I, it's, it's a great question and, and one we might be wondering about. Uh, I think the biggest thing uh, for me is just we want to compete this year yes we want to make a wild card we want to have a run for it but we know that this isn't our world series team it would, i mean cinderella story i'm all for it let's go for it let's try but if we exit in the wild card if we exit in the next round i'm not going to be upset about it because we made it there when we were sitting here at the beginning of the season asking each other are we going to go above 500 is this team going to take a step forward are we going to improve and we haven't taken a step forward we've taken a whole ass leap forward i think even the it surprised the all the the sports media in the valley and nationally it's surprised i think even the front office and the management and the staff of the arizona diamondbacks we heard stories recently this week of uh, mike hazen the vice president and general manager of the arizona diamondbacks being in talking talks to go back to boston and where he came from and kind of resume a role over there building out that team but those have all been kind of put to rest and, and dispelled. And it seems like he's going to stay here. I think he has one or two more years left on his actual contract. Just recently got an extension, but Mike, it goes in, you know, hand in glove with everything you're saying, as far as the short leash we've had on players, the moves they're making, being aggressive at the deadline without selling out for a year where, like I said, we knew this wasn't going to be our world series run, but now the timelines maybe accelerated where like Nico, I don't know about you. I feel like we, we, and when I say we, the Arizona Diamondbacks and those our, fa- our fan base here, we could be on a next you know two to five-year trajectory of being contenders if we really continue to build around guys like Corbin Carroll and Zach Allen. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, I think it's very funny how the tone changes uh, because we were sitting here all together on a roundup right before the trade deadline talking about how we felt like the Diamondbacks needed to make a big splash and that there needed to be a big acquisition. And then I think when we all saw what the Dimebacks did, I think we all kind of went, eh, okay, I guess that works. We did what we could. We got some help, but, like, it's nothing astronomical. And then what has it turned out to be but, like, Tommy Fam single-handedly winning games and Paul Seawall locking the door, um, which makes me eat every word I've ever said about Mike Hazen. Um so yeah, I do. I do think that like if you look at this team, they are built for probably a five-year stretch of some pretty good baseball. I still think that we have some some areas that we need to shore up. I think starting pitching is one of our glaring weaknesses. We can't we can't go into a hundred and sixty-seven game season and have bullpen like starting pitchers. You know? Well,
1: now like two bullpen games. Yeah, I, you know, every five days because Zach Davies is gone, right?
2: Exactly. Yeah. So I think that that's like our biggest glaring weakness. I think, luckily, we are like pretty shirt sure up, like in our farm system, that if we want to, if we have a hurt at a position, we have guys that we can kind of just pull up, which is a nice, like, luxury to have. But yeah, I do. I think that, like, man, you hit it on the head, Chris, is that nobody was expecting this. Like, nobody nobody expected the diamondbacks to have the season that they had um before i moved back to arizona everybody in illinois was like man the diamondbacks that's kind of crazy huh a little bit of a fluke and you know i i would be lying to you if i said that i didn't agree with them because i sat there and went how how are we in this how are we in this position in the first month and a half of the season um so yeah i do i think that like the the and the tone on it has changed is that like i'm completely okay with 95% of our roster right now, all of a sudden, which at the trade deadline, like there wasn't a guy that, you know, besides Corbin Carroll and and, and Zach Gallen and, and Gurriel that were off limits. So I think that that list has kind of changed a little bit.
0: Yeah. Gurriel was a, a great acquisition. And, and Mike, I want to ask you, aside from, I think, Gallen and Carroll, who we all kind of had ex- high expectations for as far as production on this team, who do you think has really been the catalyst for this team's success in being on this push towards the playoffs? I mean, we're looking at guys, I think, off the top of my head, like Miro Kelly and Christian Walker. What, what, do, you, what do you think?
1: Yeah, it's Christian Walker, guys. Like, the guy has been a stud. 33 home runs, hitting 261, over 100 RBIs. He just seems to have, you know, a hit when you really need him to kind of like how Tommy Pham has done over the past month, right? That was a perfect take, Nico. The guy has single-handedly won us some games to keep our momentum going. I think one of the other guys that flew under the radar who was undeservedly not picked for the All-Star game was Ketel Marte, the most tenured Diamondback, either than up to the point Nick Ahmed, a guy who finally has gotten to find his home at second base instead of being switched back and forth. And he's been, he's been a stud this year too. 25 home runs, 82 RBIs, hitting almost 280. Still makes stellar plays in the field. And it's just been a team guy and who has rode with us for a long time. And that's where you start to build culture, right? The guys who have gone through the mud and start to flourish a little bit more than they might have already been doing when you start to see the success because they want to pull along the new guys with them. So I'd say those are the two guys who have really just been the true leaders for this team this year. Yeah, you speak of Loris Gorielf. What a great season he's had too. But, man, it's there's been so many contributing pieces. But that's where I'm leaning. I might lean a little bit more towards Christian Walker, the gold glover. Don't forget it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think it's those guys that have been consistent. and Chris, Christian Walker has certainly been one of them. He's had a few dips here. Um, I've noticed that we've when we've kind of been doing our bi-weekly recaps. there's a couple of weeks where he's been down, but for the most part, he's been up on this season. and Cattel Marte is another one of those guys. And you just gotta appreciate the flash in the pans, too. I mean, you have, Alec Thomas, who's had really good sparks at times during the season, especially defensively. I mean, grabbing those incredible balls in the outfield where people don't think he has any chance to get them. Uh, Gabriel Moreno showed flares. Even even Emmanuel Rivera's had times where he's been pretty good. And and just Tommy Pham and Paul Seawald, man, like Nico, Mike, you're right. Those guys, solid additions to this team. And I think are going to be crucial in if we can secure this wildcard spot. We have three games coming up. The last three games of the season at home against the Houston Astros might be going to one of those games. Michael Benjamin. I don't know. We'll see. We're talking about it. But yeah, it's all it's all or nothing. Uh, I think the Diamondbacks have nothing to lose at this point. Just playing all out, taking that underdog mentality and fighting tooth and nail. Another thing with Corbin Carroll, just to wrap up what i'm talking about here he he had the 25 home runs 50 stolen bases it's the power and the speed combination that is just setting him aside from anybody else it, it it helps on both sides of the ball too. He's able to kind of similar to Alec Thomas, be able to run down balls that other outfielders might not necessarily be able to get. And then you add that onto the base paths with uh, again, guys like Jake McCarthy, who can also run the bases. Alec Thomas is no slow poke. Even Cattell Marte is a little bit underrated when it comes to the bags. This team has got the wheels. So when they can get on base, they're able to get around. And I even think the other night I was listening on the radio and, they uh, scored two runs off some crazy overthrown pitches and it was just smart base running, trusting themselves, knowing how fast they are and being able to get to the spot. Uh, But guys, before we end this MLB Diamondbacks conversation, Mike, I'll ask you first, is there anything else you wanted to add to the Diamondbacks wildcard pursuit here?
1: Let's get it done. That's really all it is. Let's get it done. This has been kind of a tumultuous season for these guys in that clubhouse who are still around. So, won't it just be the cherry on top for them to find themselves in a wild card series? Let's get it done.
2: Yeah, I'll piggyback on that. I mean, I, I really. It, it, sooner rather than later is what I'll piggyback with. There you yeah.
1: go. That's perfect.
2: much, I'd much rather not be waiting the entire three-game series with the Astros to figure out if we're going to the playoffs or not. Um, We've waited, I feel like, in the entire back half of this season trying to figure out if we're going to the playoffs. So let's get it done. Let's get it done, like, you know, tomorrow night.
0: Yeah, I want to see him lock it up sooner rather than later, and we'll be keeping a close eye on that. Uh, I don't know if anyone noticed we did not have a bi-weekly Diamondbacks recap this last week we're going to do a full final season finale recap coming out this week as well as an Arizona Cardinals recap which we are doing weekly throughout the NFL season so speaking about the Arizona Cardinals Michael Benjamin huge massive enormous win this last Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys at State Farm Stadium so many Cowboys fans in attendance got to cry, cry their eyes out. Uh, go over, check out Talman's uh clip on either the recap or TikTok, also YouTube Shorts. If you want to catch the short version, it's it's fantastic. He had a whole jar full of Cowboys fans' tears, and he was drinking them, getting hydrated because they were flowing, Mike. They were flowing, weren't they?
1: I loved it, man. All over TikTok, all over social media. You got Cowboys fans hitting their TVs I remember seeing one uh, where this guy's wife had bought a Cowboys cheerleader uniform off of Amazon and it was like before the season started and the Cardinals had just scored they were up nine to zero and he told her get in the room put it on put it on if you don't put it on I'm blaming you and she never put it on so love it man anytime you can get a W against the Dallas Cowboys who was Labeled as America's team a long, long time ago. We know that that's just not the truth. Anytime you can get a win against the Cowboys is just great. And I won't sugarcoat it, man. The Cowboys have looked stellar to start this season. Their defense is flying all around. Unfortunately, now they've lost Trayvon Diggs, so they're going to have to make some adjustments there. But to get that kind of win at home... Honestly, guys, I don't know if it completely changes the trajectory of this season, but it gives you some kind of momentum going into a really, really tough matchup with maybe the top team in the NFC with the San Francisco 49ers. But, man, was it pretty. Make sure you guys go check out that recap. Broke it down in every which way. But I got to know, Nico, man, where were you at watching the game and how were you feeling?
2: Oh, man, I was at work on Sunday, so I got to listen to it uh, through the radio app on my phone. Um, Anytime we beat the Cowboys, anytime, um, it is especially sweet, especially because, man, there wasn't a team here for so long in Arizona. So who did Arizona fans root for? Cowboys, the Cowboys, the Cowboys. You were either a Cowboys fan, a Niners fan or a Steelers fan. That's what the Valley consisted of. so anytime we go in, we, we, we get to beat Dallas, especially at home when it feels like a home game for Dallas. uh, it's super sweet. Uh, that defense is. Buzzing for the Cardinals. I am flying the flag for Kaiser white. That man pay him more, pay him more and pay him now. goddammit, it. Because that boy is buzzing around the ball. That's Buddha Baker energy. And you just love to see it. Uh, Yeah, I I am always here for uh, the Cowboys taking a stiff L. Um, I have a lot of friends who are Cowboys fans, and it is my favorite to just scroll social media and see all the crying, especially at the hands of, oh, Josh Dobbs, an astrophysicist, who is a perennial backup, and then just torches the Cowboys. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Josh Dobbs is an astrophysicist?
1: Oh, you didn't know this?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Our big guy brains. is
0: a
1: certified genius, bro. Come on, big brains. Unfortunately, they weren't selling his jersey in the team shop. Did you see I that? Saw, I saw that. Oh, oh, no. no, you can't catch it. You can't have us catch a huge W after people were marking us off on going zero and seventeen, and have the starting quarterback. Yes, I know he he's been here for what a month now, maybe. you
0: can't not have
1: the ability to create those jerseys for him man.
0: that's what i'm saying nico it's worse than it sounds not only because you can almost forgive like if you walk into the team shop they don't have josh Dobbs jersey just up on the rack no 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 it's worse than it sounds he walked up to a kiosk they have set up where you can walk up and say i want an authentic jersey i want a rondale moore jersey and this size boom go and he walked up there, and they had every player on the team except Joshua Dobbs. Um, luckily, it seems like they remedied that situation. Uh, you can now go and get your uh, Josh Dobbs jersey from the pro shop and uh, represent. I, I I like Josh Dobbs, man. He's really, really growing on me, man. And, like, I liked him. I, I, Nico, I don't know if you know this or if you remember this. I'm a little bit of a Steelers fan. Kind of was kind of born and raised to be a Steelers no, fan. No. No
2: how would, anybody,
1: how would anybody not know that when no, we just had, went
0: to
2: Pittsburgh? I had <laughs> no idea on, with man. all those pictures from Heinz Field. Acrisure <laughs> or whatever they call it now. It's Heinz Field. It's always Heinz Field. It's always Heinz
0: Field. <laughs> Heinz Field. It's like Bank One Ballpark. Uh, I actually sure so. I normally have a terrible towel up here with me, but it's funny. I want to get into that a little later on, maybe to close out the the stream here, but uh I hadn't. I had Mike waving a terrible towel. I had all the boys waving terrible towels up in AccuSure Stadium. They got caught up in the vibe of a true playoff atmosphere. Not even, no, I'm sorry, not playoff atmosphere. Football atmosphere where home fans are rooting for the home team in their stadium. You just, we don't really get that with the Cardinals so much, uh, especially when they're not doing as well. I mean, the Steelers are not perennial like powerhouse team right now but they're still able anyway i'm not going in on that i'm not going in on that you're not supposed to air out my fucking <laughs> dirty laundry chris what the hell is
2: wrong with i should have
0: gotten a video i'm surprised i don't have Bro. a video of like
2: <laughs> i have a bears towel that i that i whirled around during the cardinals game so you're not the only one all right there you go there, there it. it is oh no. oh no he's got it with him La
1: toalla terrible.
2: Okay, that one's cooler than the original. I'll give you credit. Yeah, I had to now.
1: get a cool one, man. I wasn't just going to get a plain, old yeah, freaking yellow one. Come on now. Wait, there, so there,
2: they do they sell different terrible towels? I know it's way they, off topic, but like they so sell
1: like 20 different towels, man. Blue, bro, bro, I thought you
2: just got a yellow towel as you walked in the door, and they were like, Hey, welcome to Heinz.
1: What do you think this is, 2003, dude?
2: Yeah, I guess Teams probably. aren't giving
1: out free shit anymore, dude. Look at this yeah. jersey, bro. It's
2: 2003. Speaking of that, I, I keep
0: this is the the stream of getting me off topic with the shit you guys are saying. But I remember going to the Diamondbacks games when I was younger, and you could buy those thick, like laminated, like nice programs for five bucks. Mm-hmm. And it had I, I collected those motherfuckers. I wish I still had any of them. My my parents might. They're kind of low key hoarders. Love you, love you, <laughs> mom and dad. <laughs> if you guys are watching, um, but no, we're, the Cardinals win against Dallas was just absolutely incredible. Mike, I think you had them at one in uh, one in three or one two at this point in the season. Uh, you, you thought it would have come against the Commanders, but it ended up coming against Dallas. But does this kind of, for you, does this change the whole trajectory of the season as far as your estimation? Or is it kind of, just kind of a blip on the radar?
1: See, I can't go there, right? We can't drink the Kool-Aid that much, right? I'm very happy with the performance. Excited where this defense has played the first three weeks. I know Tallman even said, I mean, if you think about it, and you did too, Chris. Single-digit losses in our first two games. We lose by three points and four points you know and we have a big collapse against the giants. Unfortunately, we've seen that plenty of times with the Arizona Cardinals, but this team still has pieces to fit in. Like we're a ways away from being any kind of competitors, but does this mean we can have more wins than what we thought? I'm drinking the Kool-Aid just a little bit, man, but you know, now we have a real test once again coming up with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh Niners are 87.3% projected to win that game according to espn analytics so it's too early i remember last season what was my mantra not too high not too low right nico i think you had made a comment on one of our posts that you said as well and i was like dude if i freak out too early i'm gonna have a panic attack and it's the same way right very excited about a win against the cowboys excited to get I think a bigger thing guys is the home victory especially when you're outnumbered in your home stadium, which often does happen against the Dallas Cowboys. But this is a narrative that we've seen with this Arizona Cardinals franchise over the past at least three years, where we can't get enough fans in the stadium to outnumber or give our team a home field advantage at all. So to get a win this early in the season at home, that's where I'll drink the Kool-Aid just a
2: little bit. Five wins. Five wins, here we come. I don't know. Mike, this is where you and I have always differed, man. You've always been the op- optimistic but cautious Arizona sports fan. When things start going, I'm like, give me the Kool-Aid. I'm guzzling it from the spout. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I think we have one of the – this is crazy because I know what this team is, right? I know what it is on paper. I know it- – but the team that comes out and plays, the defense that plays with, like, the spirit of Ron Wolfley and Gardek, like, like I don't – like, I don't – I. I it's, It's got me, man. And Josh Dobbs, I just have developed the softest spot in my heart for Josh Dobbs, who I thought was just a eh, quarterback in the league. Coming out of Tennessee, you know, it's crazy to think he's been in the league for seven years. It feels like he just got drafted out of Tennessee. So, I, you know, I'm fully in on this. What I'm not fully in on is Arizona Cardinals fans selling your season tickets. Knock that off. Home field advantage is a thing for a reason. Just because the Cowboys fans are gonna come with their with their wallets and their money. I get it. It's how you pay for half it. No, those wins right there, those home wins feel so much better because we beat a team we weren't supposed to beat. Don't sell your tickets. That's silly.
0: Yeah, that's like the the never-ending battle. And just in, in valley sports in general, and the Suns have done the best at combating that. But I mean, you even look at the diamondbacks when The Yankees or the Dodgers or the Cubs roll into town. It's it's packed for the other team. And we've had that conversation before. And I'm sure we're going to continue to have that conversation about the nature of this being a transplant city uh, and a city with some young sports teams, to be honest, like the Cardinals haven't been here for really that long to plant generational roots. It's starting to get there the diamondbacks just in the late 90s got here and they're they're starting to kind of plant those roots as well. The Suns have had a have have had the longest time to do it. Uh, what Mike, they go back to the 60s, 1967. Yep. There you go. So they've really had a chance where where people have grown up as Suns fans and then had kids and then their kids have had kids where it's been like maybe two almost three generations now of Suns fans where it's just going to take some time. Honestly, guys, and we're in a good market. They they kind of kind of try and pigeon, pigeonhole us as a, a small small market, but honestly, like the the Phoenix area, Arizona is up and coming. And I think as more people grow up here and aren't, it, we're not just a transplant city, although we continue to be. We're gonna start to see more of that at home. But not to get too derailed, what what you guys are saying is is nail on the head as far as the defense just playing their absolute asses off man it's been incredible to see I I'm honestly like I like we say we're buying into Josh Dobbs and that's why I ended up I think I just remember going in on that whole tangent about Pittsburgh and the Steelers is because Josh Dobbs I think was drafted by the Steelers or it spent some significant time there and at one point Ben Roethlisberger said that Josh Dobbs was the future of that organization well that obviously didn't happen and we could That's a whole separate conversation, but it just tells you that, like, people see in Josh Dobbs what he's capable of. He's a smart football player, he's pretty athletic, he can use his feet when he has to. Seems to be making pretty good reads out there with the time he's been given by this offensive line. And can't have no complaints about Josh Dobbs, but it makes me, Mike, I don't know about you, makes me a little excited for what Kyler Murray might be able to do with the keys in this offense once he comes back. And it seems like this dynamic where he's itching to come back and the team is kind of like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. But Mike, before I pass it over to you here, just with that Kyler Murray tidbit in mind, uh, did you see the clip of him getting stoked on the sideline as we were beating Dallas? And people are saying like, I didn't see him this happy when Cliff Kingsbury was here.
1: It's a different Kyler Murray guys. That's something that we have to truly understand for all the criticisms that we've given him over the past couple of years, his commitment, his willingness to be a leader, he started to switch that narrative in a grandiose way, basically, since he got hurt and Cliff Kingsbury got fired. Right? I could bring up some different questions. Was it really the situation? Was it Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury? Whatever. But blah, 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 blah. It's time to move forward. And Kyler Murray has understood that as well. The kid wants to play football and he wants to play football now. I mean, we've seen it all over his social media feeds. You know his his showing himself lifting, talking about how he appreciates everybody who's backed him, how he's chomping at the bit to get back out there, how he's labeling it soon, and showing himself that he's got some wheels under him already coming off of an ACL injury. Man, I am so excited to see what this offense behind Drew Petzing puts him in. What kind of situations? Because it's going to be different. It's not going to be always in shotgun. They're going to put him under the football. They're going to get him in rollout situations and hopefully give him every opportunity to be successful. And it's going to take some time once he comes back in. But, man, I'll go back to what you guys were saying. Josh Dobbs, I'm really proud of of his ability to really step in. And either than that first week where he turned the ball over, he's been consistent. He's taken the steps. He's controlled the football and given us opportunities to win games. And it all coincided last week. I mean, talk about the way you're supposed to go. Especially when he came in, what, a week before that week one start with uh, against the Commanders? And now you find yourself having an absolutely stellar offensive performance against a team in the Dallas Cowboys that had only given up, what, 10 points to start the season? Man, just truly impressive. But like I said once again... It's a whole nother different story, man. We got to go to Santa Clara and play possibly the best running back in the NFL right now with Christian McCaffrey, a guy who has never lost a start in his NFL career and Brock Purdy and just that high powered offense and that stellar defense, man. There's a reason that we picked them to win the NFC West. Once again, unfortunately.
2: Well, I think there's a reason I, so I find myself doing this. I'll, we'll play really well and I'll go man we were close and then game 2 we played really well well game 1 we played alright but we were close game 2 we played well didn't get it on in the, in the second half and then each day on monday I look at our schedule and the problem is is that every time I look at our schedule I go oh shit we have to play da 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 and so now it's oh shit we have to play probably the best team in the NFL and then next week it's going to be, oh, you know. So I think that still does, you know, kind of show you that even though we may be in and we may like this Cardinals team, if you're going, oh, shit, we have to play so-and-so, uh, we're not where we exactly we need to be.
0: Yeah, uh, it, I mean, I think that's that's to be expected as far as us not, not quite being where we need to be. Uh, it's going to take some time. I do have a lot of faith, though, in in Jonathan Gannon after these first three weeks where we've been in these games and beating Dallas is just a huge step. Uh, You mentioned, though, Mike, us going into Santa Clara, taking on the 49ers. Christian McCaffrey has had 12 straight games with a touchdown. Uh, So he's an absolute force to be reckoned with. Obviously, Brock Purdy secured himself as the QB1 there for San Fran, and they even shipped out Trey Lance It kind of double down and solidify that. And he's picked up right where he left off last year. I don't think he's lost a game as a starter uh, as far as I'm aware, but uh, is the the next upset incoming? Are we, are we going to be able to ride that momentum and be competitive with the 49ers as well?
1: I think we're going to surprise. I think we're going to keep it tight probably through the first half. Like we've been seeing, maybe we falter just a little bit towards the end of that third quarter and then the 49ers figure out a way to really solidify it at home. I mean, you're looking at the line right now. It's minus 14 for San Francisco. So I don't know. I might sprinkle some money on that line because the way that this defense has been flying around should be able to cover two touchdowns if you really want to be a team that is going to fight as hard as they possibly can throughout this entire season. Because like the conversations that we had earlier and what was being – spit in our face from Jonathan Gannon is that we're here to win games. Well, they want to win games. So if you want to try and be in these games, you got to cover two touchdown spreads. But I'm also looking at this injury report, guys. They listed Debo and Brandon Ayuk as questionable today. Um, I'm sure they'll find a way to get out on the field, but you just never know if it's something that is nagging. So they might not be able to get their full amount of snaps as like they normally would. I know James Connor had another questionable tag early this uh this week as well um but as of today it doesn't look like he's listed on the injury report right now and we're going to need him to be the bell cow that he has been so far 15 to 19 carries get in the end zone be able to spread the field for Josh Dobbs so we're not getting into a crazy passing attack early i mean that's going to be the biggest thing right if we get down two touchdowns early and we have to put the ball in the air consistently that's when you get in trouble so a balanced attack is what we're going to need to do if we want to have another shock the world moment
0: Yeah, and I just think consistency at both ends, too. That defense continues to play hard, play strong. I mean, even without Buda Baker, we were able to beat the Cowboys. And if they don't have a Debo Samuel or a limited Debo Samuel and and no Brandon Ayuk, like that kind of limits the weapons that Brock Purdy has to work with. But I mean, Christian McCaffrey is just on another level. And it's an away game. But I like like our odds to at least keep it close. I'll say that as much. I mean, Nico, would you say like there's a pretty good shot of that?
2: Yeah, I think this uh this team specifically, this 2023-2024 Arizona Cardinals plays better with a chip on their shoulder. Um, they play better when people are telling them they can't. Um I mean, they came out flying last Sunday. Um and that was a that was a ridiculous point line I I think with with Dallas and and the Cardinals. Um the Cardinals were massive underdogs. So, I think that this team for whatever reason, if that's the mentality that uh, that uh, Gannon has installed in these players, is that um, you know it's kind of we got a chip on our shoulder and it's us against the world. Um, but for whatever reason, the team does play better that way. Um, the defense is violent that way. Um, it's it's. I think they do, and it's it's Cardinals Niners. So it's either going to be a massive blowout where, you know, Alex Smith has 70% uh completion rating or whatever it was for that game against us or it's going to be down to the wire overtime. Um I think that where it's probably going to be a one-score game. I think uh Mike's right, you want to bet you want to sprinkle some money on that on that line because I I uh the way we've been playing, the energy we've been playing with, um you know, I, I it's that old Tyson quote that no uh Everybody's got to plan until they get punched in the mouth. And I think if uh, the Cardinals come out and punch the Niners in the mouth, I think that's going to shock them enough that things could happen.
1: Yeah. Call them the cover Kings, man. And like what you said, hopefully it's not another Mexico city fiasco where I think that's where the true unraveling, absolute unraveling happened last year. That was when we had a coach get kicked off the team because of who knows what really happened, you know, That was the story of the 2022 Arizona Cardinals. So it's been a great start. They've been competitive in every game, and that's all we can ask for right now.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and the the landscape of the NFL is – I mean, it's only three weeks. You can only kind of look at it it, from that point of view. But a a little bit of a surprise. I mean, the the Texans with Bryce – no, not Bryce Young, uh, CJ Stroud – Looked pretty solid this last week. They got a nice little win there. So I mean when we kind of thought like, oh, we got the first and second pick in the bag. Now who knows? I mean, there's a, a handful of 0 3 teams, and we're we're sitting here the as, as far as we're the Cardinals and the Texans, they're sitting at one and two. A lot of time left, a lot of time to go. But either way, I expect that we'll still have a pretty, pretty high draft pick. Mike, you're projecting there five wins for the Cardinals. I mean, it's only four more with what 15 games left to go in the season. So a lot, a lot of football to be played, but it's, it's a, it's a week to week proposition, especially with a team like this. I am uh, I am happy to see though, that they're competing and Jonathan Gannon is kind of walking the walk to an extent. I mean, he, he was a lot of talk. Uh, I still don't really agree with the approach as far as how we could see they were putting the team together talent wise versus what they were saying. But I mean, at the same time, I'm kind of eating my words because even with the talent that they've assembled, they are showing that they are competitive and able to win games. Uh, you mentioned Nico Dennis Gardeck. He's been an absolute diamond in the rough, just absolute beast. Kaiser White has been a huge, huge piece on this defense. And and like we said, Buda Baker didn't even play in this last game. so. A lot of room for optimism there, uh, but fellas, I think we could wrap this up here pretty quick. Um, we have some miscellaneous topics. I mean, we don't have to get out of here quick. We kind of hang out and bounce around depending on where this takes us. But uh, Matt dropped in the group chat. He couldn't make it on the live stream tonight, but he wanted us to, he he's a big Taylor Swift fan guys. So he really wanted us to talk about the budding relationship between him and Kansas city chiefs, tight end, Travis Kelsey, Uh, I think I saw earlier today, his jersey sales are up like 400%. Mike, the Swifties are on board.
1: I got to talk about other things I've seen on social media too. I've been having a lot of fun seeing these women talk to their boyfriends, significant others, husbands, whatever, and basically say, hey, how do you feel about Taylor Swift putting Travis Kelsey on the map? And I was kind of in the same you know, space that most of these guys are. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Travis Kelsey has been one of the best tight ends in the NFL for a long time. You're talking about a two-time NFL Super Bowl champion, a guy who is an all-pro, just an absolute stud, is going to go down as probably top three tight end at the end of the day if he stays healthy and can play and, and go. You know, that's a great conversation. What, what's, your, what's your top three? I'm going... Rob Gronkowski, Tony Gonzalez, and at the end of the day, maybe Travis Kelsey. So for guys like us, he's well-established and he's been around. But for the Swifties, who are all about Taylor Swift, they had no clue who the fuck he was, right? So it's been really, really funny to see some of those conversations that some of these guys are trying to have with their wives and tell them, no, 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 we've known about him for a long time.
0: Yeah that that's a that's a great point. Uh, obviously in the sports world, Travis Kelsey is uh, you know synonymous with NFL football and the number one tight end taken off the board in every fantasy football draft in like the last three or four seasons. Uh, it, it is funny though. Like I I agree Gronk, Tony Gonzalez, Kelsey. I mean Mike Ditka, maybe. Uh, there's some good there's some other good good tight ends in there sprinkled Antonio in yeah.
2: Gates, Antonio Gates, Vernon Davis.
0: There you go. Vernon Davis, that's a great one. Just off the top of the head, and uh, plenty of other guys. I mean, maybe ne- didn't have like the full longevity of guys like Gronk. Tony Gonzalez had crazy, crazy he for like forty
2: time. years. It felt like,
0: yeah, honestly, is insane. He was in the NFL forever, and like poor guy, man. He spent most of his career what on the Falcons.
2: No, on the on like a bogus Chiefs team with Elvis Girtback oh, running God. the ball. and then he went to atlanta at the end i think to try and get it in with mike vick and then mike vick went away for known reasons
0: who was the tight end on the new york giants for jeremy shockey jeremy shockey there you go jeremy shockey
2: was a legend that's probably the best collegiate tight end ever is jeremy shockey yeah him in miami was ridiculous
0: Jeremy Shockey, yeah, he's another guy. I feel like he had a good amount of longevity as as far as – and then Antonio Gates, like you mentioned, is another guy that, that's kind of like that.
1: Antonio Gates is on the Mount Rushmore.
2: Yes. Yes, he is.
1: That's <laughs> what i was saying. I mean, like
2: – It's a conversation. Three, There's a lot of names, man. There's a lot of really good tight ends. Kellen Winslow Sr. is the originator of the position. I mean, like the receiving tight end wasn't a thing until, until Kellen Winslow Sr., so –
1: I mean, no slouch on uh, Jimmy Graham either if you talk about his time with the Saints. I mean, Jimmy he's Graham. not – I don't think he's above those guys, but that's another guy who was just an absolute amazing tight end Dude. to change the position.
0: A guy who was just an absolute killer out there, a- Aaron Hernandez.
2: A lot of people <laughs> – you know what? All right, guys. So, and have a good I, night. We'll see you I next was gonna time. Do, I was going to throw Freddie Jones out there, and you came with Aaron Hernandez.
0: Good lord, just absolute. He would slay okay. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it, Chris. (laughs)
1: Talking (laughs) about that though, did you have you seen what's been going on with Chandler Jones? And he came out and he was basically talking about a cover up between um Josh McDaniels and um Aaron Hernandez and how he had a story he was at his fire pit and he started talking about how oh, Aaron Hernandez basically he didn't kill himself and then he started crying. Like something's going on with Chandler Jones and we do not know what's happening.
2: That's true. Cause the Raiders tried to check him into a mental hospital is from what I heard. Right.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, he hasn't reported to the team. He's been talking about all this cryptic stuff, all this weirdness. I, I truly don't know exactly what's going on, but you know, that was a guy who I'll always think back on, you know, fond memories of what he was able to do, to do with the Arizona Cardinals. So I hope he can get the help that he needs. And it's just been kind of crazy. I'm. Thanks for bringing that up, Chris. Which led, led us to that. Absolutely, hey, just slaying on the field. My real quick. My oh goodness, man. yeah.
0: I mean, another. I mean, a guy that could have been a, a good tight end in the league that played with Aaron Hernandez, Tim Tebow. Um, he tried. He tried. He did try. He did try, um, but no. I, I think uh, getting back, I guess, on topic of talking about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, uh, I, I think an interesting thing there is like people I think are are kind of saying like what you're saying, Mike, about like oh Travis Kelsey's being put on the map because they look at like obviously the popularity like Taylor Swift is a pop star, probably one of the top five, top ten in the in the country right now, for better or worse, whatever your opinion is on Taylor Swift. And it's funny because like people love to play this game and I've seen graphics where people are saying like, Oh, Taylor Swift makes in one concert in ticket sales, what Travis Kelsey makes for an entire year. Uh, But it's like, I mean, millionaires, man, like millionaires, like like Taylor Swift has got to be close pushing a billion net worth. Right. Like she's probably hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank and like I don't know. Like, what? How much of a difference is it when you have seven hundred million versus one hundred and fifty million? Like, how much different is your lifestyle?
2: Well, there was a assessment of how much money was inside of that drop top convertible that left Arrowhead. Um, they believed it to be two point one billion dollars inside of that car. Um, Taylor herself boosted LA's economy by hundreds of millions of dollars just by having the concert roll through SoFi. Um, it's very interesting because I, I like Taylor, like from the, like when the first couple of albums came out, like country Taylor came out and then I kind of fell off, but I was well aware as to who Taylor Swift was and her popularity and Travis Kelsey on his podcast had talked about how he had made the bracelet and was trying to get her number. I think the thing is, it's very, it's fun for me to watch because I felt like I watched it from the groundswell with Kelsey trying to get her number, and then it actually, it's like watching one of your boys get the girl that he's been digging on, and you're like, yeah, all right, man, one of us. All right, sweet. You know, and then you got guys like Micah Parsons that are like, hey, man, more football players should shoot for the stars. Uh, if uh, Travis Kelsey's bagging Taylor Swift, then, you know, maybe guys need to aim higher. But you got Odell Beckham and Kim Kardashian together, and now Odell Beckham's injured. So, you know, maybe we don't need to shoot for the stars. Maybe we just let Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey do their thing (laughs) I mean uh it's just it's funny like pop cultural
0: wise and like the whole social media aspect of it I just it kind of makes me a little bit grateful because like I guess if I'm a Chiefs fan I don't really care like a whole lot that Travis Kelsey is dating Taylor Swift it's good publicity (laughs) and all that but it just makes me kind of glad that uh you know Kyler Murray is a real kind of low key guy. And when it comes to even superstars, like Devin Booker was dating a Kardashian and still managed to keep his head on straight for the most part, kind of prioritize basketball and, you don't see that a lot, especially I'm, – I'm going off in a lot of different directions here, but you don't see that a lot with the Kardashian family. They seem to ruin NBA players more than they make them successful. Yeah, Tristan so, Thompson. Yeah, Tristan Thompson, Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom, uh, yeah. Chris Humphreys. Nobody oh, I forgot so about Chris Humphreys. Yeah. It's – it's he, t- <laughs> so Devin Booker, man, he made it. Like He he,
2: he played he his role that, too. He, he kept that relationship quiet, quiet comparatively to – some of the other relationships that she has been in. So good on him for maintaining that and, and not coming out the other end, the worse.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure even uh, like what the list goes on, Ben Simmons, yep. uh, Blake, Blake Griffin has dated one of the Jenners. So it's just like props to Devin Booker, but just to bring it, bring it back full circle. Like I am glad that when it comes to our football team, we don't really have any major distractions. Like it's kind of cool. Uh, what is it? Uh, Zach Ertz, uh, his wife Julie Ertz is on the the U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, she just recently announced her retirement, so I mean props to her. But that's that's not a. She's like she's good wholesome soccer soccer lady. I mean, that's yeah, that's not a superstar. Yeah. Exactly. And that, I think that's where like, maybe like w- when I'm kind of dissecting this, I'm thinking out loud when you talk about the differences between the risk in dating a Kardashian, whether it's fair to them or not, versus the risk in dating like a Taylor Swift is like, it's funny because there is a little risk in dating Taylor Swift, right? Because when you think especially of her older music, it was like, all of it would be about ex-boyfriends and breakups. And so it's like, is her next album going to be about Travis Kelsey? And like, the, Yes, the, yes the that's what's going to happen. Breakup?
2: That, that's for sure what's going to happen. If you're a Chiefs fan, you're praying and hoping for one thing that this relationship makes it 20 weeks. You don't want this relationship <laughs> crashing and burning at some point during the season. And then you have sad boy Travis Kelsey listening to Slime Me Out in his headphones before the game. You know, like that's the last thing you need if you're a Chiefs fan. It's great that he's bringing it, that she's bringing in all this money for the franchise. I'm sure the hunts are pleased. But if they break up and Taylor's got an album out by week 13, they wrap it up for the Chiefs. There ain't no Super Bowl coming.
1: Well, so that was one of the funny stories I heard about it too because I'm pretty sure Taylor Swift is like a Philadelphia fan. So she's like an Eagles yeah, fan. She, yeah, so she they is. were basically saying this was all a ploy to infiltrate the system and get with Travis – have him be excited about this new relationship and then by week 15 she drops him so they go into the playoffs he's reeling he can't get his emotions straight and then the chiefs end up finding a way to fall flat in the playoffs and then the eagles can finally get their championship but that would be great if it was true here's the truth it's all an illuminati ploy boys it's all (laughs) You see some of the other numbers too. I think Travis Kelsey gained like four hundred thousand Instagram followers. His podcast shot up to number one in sports podcasts, overtaking part of my take. Like, there's true power in the Swifties, man. It truly is something to behold.
2: Oh, the demographic of the game in ages twelve to eighteen for females went up eight percent. That's like crazy to have that kind of movement on a TV scale. 8% is – that's like hundreds of thousands of 12- to 17-year-old girls looking to see if they can find Taylor Swift on a five-second camera cut. That's nuts, man.
0: It's truly – it's kind of bonkers, man. Like the Taylor Swift effect is real. And it's funny because you see like the videos from the stadium where people aren't even – like the people going to the stadium aren't even focused on the game. They just want to wait outside the box or the section to see if they can catch a glimpse of Taylor Swift, maybe catch a wave. Uh, Just, I I just, I've never understood that level of fandom. Like I've, I haven't met an incredible amount of celebrities. I've been close to celebrities, but it's just like, you got to recognize they're just people, man. Like they're just ordinary everyday motherfuckers. And yeah, they might be talented, whether it's singing or acting or, playing sports it's just like but they at the end of the day they are just people and it's like i i don't know i'm not famous i just feel like i would appreciate being treated as like another person rather than like a a, you know demigod or some craziness but it's it's interesting i I like the conspiracy theories i like the the taylor swift effect it's all fun and uh, good for twitter and and the social media sphere but I don't know. I'm wishing Travis Kelsey the best because uh, history tells us that these things don't always always end the best. He's going to need it. Without a doubt. Fellas, a couple other miscellaneous topics I got here. Let me know if you got a bail. We can we can pump the brakes on this and, and save it for another time. I know, Mike, you and I are going to be recording the uh, September, holy shit, the September episode of the Heat Check Podcast in person tomorrow with BSP Tallman. We're all three going to sit down uh, we do our once a month in-person recording where we get in the studio here in the Valley Sports Plug studios, bust out the microphones. There's no video, all crispy, clean audio where we just talk about all the Valley sports. So we're going to talk about the Suns. We're going to talk about the Diamondbacks and the Cardinals. So kind of probably rehashing a little bit of what we talked about today, but kind of diving in deeper. Of course, you'll be able to get VSP Tallman's uh, take on there as well. Uh, but, uh, like I said, a couple miscellaneous topics I got here. And, and Nico, you got the ASU hat on, so I kind of want to throw it your way. The Pac-12 is having an incredible final season. Uh, a lot of news and media attention, a uh, lot of teams that are doing really well. When you look at USC and Oregon, uh, Colorado, of, of course, with Coach Prime has been making a, a lot of headlines. And they started 3-0, and but then lost to Oregon 42-6. to uh, what are you? What are you making of of this season so far in college football?
2: Man, isn't it a shame that in the final existence of Pac-12 football, we might have the best version of Pac-12 football we've ever seen? That's that sucks, man. We have three possible Heisman candidates in the in the Pac-12 right now. You got you got Bo Nix. You got uh. uh Caleb Williams, and then you got Shadur Sanders, which probably you can take, take him off the list after a 42 to you know, 10 shellacking. But, like, look, man, Pac, Pac-12 football is uh, exciting for, I think, the first time in a, in a while. Um, I think just about every team, with the exception of, well, Cal and ASU and U of A, you know, the normal ones that like to just clean up the cellar in the Pac-12. Um, the rest of that, 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 I mean, even Washington state is that's a team that doesn't have anywhere to go after the season. And they are, they're looking good, man. They, they like that. The PAC 12 is crazy. The talent is crazy right now. Um, like I mentioned to you boys earlier, I went to the ASU Fresno game um, where ASU got absolutely dog walked and uh, you know, like, man, it, even even there you go, well, if we fire Ray Anderson, like, we're, I don't know, two years away from having, like, a solid squad. We got to get all the trash that Herm Edwards had out there. But, like, the Pac-12 this season is is scary. And um, don't sleep on Colorado. I don't think they're done. I think uh, Coach Prime uh, has that team ready for adjustments. I think there was some really dumb mistakes made by Colorado pregame. Um you walk into a place like Autzen, Uh that's the only place I've ever got cussed out for wearing a Pat Tillman jersey, gentlemen. I wore an ASU Pat Tillman jersey into Autzen and got told a bunch of very nice, uh, lovely words from the Oregon faithful. So um, that's a scary place to play. And then you have your boys stepping on the logo and scraping cleats and saying how they're going to mess everybody up and their coach. And then you see this video of Dan Lanning coming out and saying, we're playing for wins, not clicks. This game is played in, in on the grass, not Hollywood. What does that O stand for to you? Oh, no, that's not the organization you want to rile up. There are two teams in the Pac-12 that are SEC quality teams, Oregon and USC. Don't step on their logos. Don't trash talk them. Those boys will put you in the ground quicker than you know what to do with. Um But, yeah, I think – honestly, I think Oregon has a real shot at at a national championship this year um, with how fast and how quick that those guys fly around the ball. Um, USC, man, USC – I think ASU kind of showed a couple kinks in the armor um, last Saturday. Um, I think that, you know, if you're Caleb Williams and you got Mazzy Ozenfort out there watching you in Tempe and you got – you know – you know what this is. I think that there were probably some jitters, probably a little bit of nerves, but that USC office didn't look as good as it normally does. Um, and then Michael Penix Jr., man, that that dude. I watched. I, I don't think I'd, I'd seen any of his highlights, and I sat down and watched his highlight film from this season so far. Natural cannon. I've I've never seen a ball come effortl- effort as effortlessly and as quick out of somebody's hand as as it does. Hits. Um, so yeah, man, the Pac-12. Crazy! It's crazy, sad to see that. Like, you know, it may be another twenty years before you see ASU and USC play again. Like, that's that's a wild thought to think about, you know. But yeah. conference looks great.
0: Yeah, putting it in that perspective, it is it is kind of sad to see the end of an era. And we we grew up, I think, you all three of us with the Pac-10 became the Pac-12. A strong conference, and just from the ineptitude of the leadership class there in the conference and at each university individually. I mean, I think there's a lot of blame to go around. That's why I always really enjoy having Ben Miller on the streams with us because he really keeps an keeps an eye on that. And like I, a lot of your insight too there, Nico, is really is really incredible because I don't. Admittedly, keep up with ASU, you know, super closely. But I do like what I've seen from my perspective with with what Kenny Dillingham is doing. I think he's the right guy to come in and clean up after this whole Herm Edwards debacle and whatever fallout we might still be having to deal with from that. But to see them take it on the chin after that Fresno loss and come back and be competitive against USC, I mean, still, still a loss, still kind of, kind of a bad beat down. But they put up points at least, which is more than we could say with that Fresno game, Mike, you and I were watching that while we were out in Pittsburgh and uh, that was a rough one. And, and we also saw the Colorado, Colorado state game there. So I like a lot of what you're saying there, Nico, with when they rolled into Oregon, I think they just had a real high coming off that game and all the national attention and the perceived chip on their shoulder. To, they, they had an inflated ego. And I know there've been guys on that team and in the media that have foolish i think foolishly come out and said that oh if travis hunter was healthy we would have been a in a a different situation and that would have been a game changer i mean i don't know about that so much at the college level as far as one guy able to move the needle especially when it wasn't even close man like that colorado offense couldn't get anything going against oregon and like i'm kind of here for it i I don't know if it's if it's just i want to be like the the edgy counterculture guy but like i'm not about the, everything colorado's doing i think they've been totally inflated by the media and beating colorado state in overtime and double overtime was, i was like i don't know about you man i wasn't impressed by that at all
1: yeah that csu game is too close but for them to scratch it out that's good for for their culture and what they're trying to build i think one thing that you can say is obviously coach prime is a polarizing figure so all of the extracurricular activities come with it, and you just have to basically take it on the chin if you're going to be the way that you are, and get mollywopped. You you got to keep that talk going next week and the week after, and it seems like that's the culture that he's trying to build there. So, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, I, and I see what you're. Talking about Nico, yeah. I think Oregon, especially when they're ranked top 10, that's the last place that I want to be doing extra yapping. I'll just keep my normal talk going, but I'm not stabbing anything through the you know middle of the field on the logo or anything. I might ruffle up some feathers beforehand, maybe get into a scruff before the game with some of the players, do some pushing, row yourself up that way. But I would have just been a little bit more careful with my words. But isn't it just sweet, sweet serenity to know that in probably the best season in pac 12 history of football once again the two arizona arizona schools find themselves outside looking in like we don't even have one of them that's one of those top 25 teams that's why i'm like that's great for the pac 12 let's go like let's We're not even really part of the conversation. Yeah, U of A's three and one, but who have they played? They they beat they beat Nau and Stanford. Stanford is at the bottom of the totem pole with us, but thankfully ASU did show some life against USC and, like you said, showed some you know kinks in the armor for USC. But yeah, I'm more so excited to see what happens from this last season for basketball and what can transition into the different schools because that's my bread and butter you guys know that i'm a basketball guy through and through i love football i love the nfl don't love college football as much i know some people are going to look at me crazy like that but that's just how i've been how i've been for a long time it's nfl or bust for me
0: yeah, no, that's, that's completely fair. I, I've had a hard time getting behind college football as well from a fan perspective. I'll always root for ASU, the home, the hometown team. Uh, just some, some, you know, wrap up thoughts on that. Like I am glad that the Arizona state and U of A were able to keep the territorial cup intact. So we'll continue to have that going forward. And it'll be interesting to see who will take that one this season. As far as the basketball program goes, we got Bobby Hurley coming back. I, I like the, the direction they've been heading, but it seems like they've kind of stagnated lately hopefully they can they can make some progress this year and it's it's easy to forget that the conference realignments don't just impact football it seems like that's where all the focus is but it will also impact basketball and literally every other collegiate sport and i know that was a huge point of contention for i mean like track and field and and other types of sports within the school that don't get as much funding as the football or the basketball program do where travel and all those other logistics come into it. But we've talked about that. I'm sure we'll talk about it again, but guys we're about an hour, 50 minutes here into the stream. It's been a great roundtable live stream. Uh, Michael Benjamin and Nico really appreciate you guys. Um, I figure we could probably go for maybe five, 10 more minutes, making a smooth two hours. And I got one more topic left uh, to kind of run by you guys. If you're up for it, what do you say? Sweet. Let's do it. So we saw some moves made where DeAndre Ayton has moved on. He's a Portland Trailblazer. We saw and talked about some other moves that have been made in the recent history of the Suns and getting rid of Cam Johnson and Mikkel Bridges now in New York. Uh, but another one, Chris Paul, he has found himself in Golden State with the Warriors after what well, he ended up going to Washington as part of that Brad Beal trade, and then they traded him to Golden State. But now everyone, the, the, you know, the biggest question has been, how is that going to work? with clay thompson and steph curry having that guard position and uh uh, steve kerr recently came out and i think it was an oppressor said that uh the golden state warriors have six starters guys um how is that gonna work i feel like that's cheating they can't start six guys mike i i don't think that's how the nba rule book works is it it's not
1: steve kerr has been a kumbaya guy forever I think you just got to go out there and put somebody in their place. Like, is Chris Paul the starting point guard for the Golden State Warriors? He shouldn't be, guys. He shouldn't be. He should come off the bench, help bolster that second lineup. And you can always stagger guys, right, too. Like, he, he doesn't have to be the starter to play alongside Stephen Curry, put Curry at the two, Clay at the three like normal, Kevon Looney, Draymond. like, And you can get plenty of minutes together. But just to play kumbaya to make sure that chris paul feels like he's still a part of it because he won't accept where he is at this point in his career is just ridiculous i mean at this point the guy is trying to win a title you have to fit into your to your form and fit into where you're going to be you're going to get the team that you're on to be as successful as they possibly can be so I mean, that's why he's doing it, right? Because Chris is probably dragging his feet about being a guy that is the sixth man. Which, I mean, we've seen plenty of incredible guys who have been all NBA talents, who have been six men their entire career and have gone into the Hall of Fame or are going into the Hall of Fame. You know, talking about Emmanuel Ginobili, as much as I hate that to be the first guy off the list that I say... You know, who else?
2: Help me out here, guys. You got uh, Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford, Phoenix Suns' own. Lou Williams, perennial six-man of the year. I mean, you just got to – I completely agree with you. Uh, You're totally on.
1: So there's plenty of guys who – and those guys didn't even have stellar careers where Chris Paul is going to be a first-ballot Hall of Famer. So for him to not fall into the mold, be – a, a pros pro with those guys especially guys who have won four titles uh, and to, and to make the coach feel like he needs to make a statement like that I don't know guys that's why once again I'm still a little bit worried about where Drew Holiday is going to find himself going do the golden state warriors send chris paul once again over to portland for another expiring contract and pull in drew holiday To go alongside with those, I mean, it's speculation, but those are the types of things that good franchises that continue to be at the top of the top find ways to do. And if a guy isn't completely bought in, they're going to make it happen sooner rather than later,
0: you know? I completely I completely agree and I mean so many so many angles to go off of that right I mean I think Drew Holiday would fit in with the Golden State Warriors a, a lot better than a Chris Paul would and and you, you mentioned if he's not willing to take on that role and responsibility of coming off the bench like he should and we talked about load management when Steph Curry's having his rest days or if he's banged up I mean Chris Paul you're ready to go and and vice versa if Chris Paul's a little banged up Steph Curry can get more minutes and you just get to preserve yourself and your body and be on a team that might have a championship, you know, competitive aspect to them. Like, they're not a team I would count out by any means. They, I don't think they're as deep as some of the other contending teams right now, which I think is kind of bit came back to bite them in the last playoff run they had and would probably still impact them here. But yeah, I, I that's a great question, Mike. Like, if that deal were to come down, how sweet would that be, right? Nico, to have uh, Chris Paul having a team back up with Deandre Ayton and oof, how would
2: that, how would that look? Yeah. I'll give you the Portland perspective on that. Uh, first of all, Chris Paul, don't do what your boy Carmelo did, man. Carmelo screwed himself out of, I think like two years in the league because he didn't see himself as a bench player. Um, and then humbly came back and took a role in Portland as a bench player and resurrected another year and a half, two years out of his career. Um, so yeah, Chris Paul really just needs to either the either the top guy, which you're not because Steph Curry's on that team, or you need to play your role. Um, Portland fans would lose their shit if they managed to get Chris Paul. Because in Portland right now, and I think we mentioned it earlier, it is do- it was doom and gloom about four months ago when everybody knew Jane was gone. Right now, there is probably a little bit of anger and frustration with the organization. Well, how do you do that? How do you recoup this fan base? You go and get Chris Paul, who is one of those players who is when he's on your team, everybody's favorite player, and you pair him up with DeAndre. And I think it's a great move for for Portland if you want. I mean, look, they they are the there's two professional acts in Portland. It is the Trailblazers and the Timbers. Um, if I had to bet my money, the Timbers are still selling out those those season tickets. Uh, the Blazers are not anymore. Um that just it's a depleted roster. And if you're management, how are you gonna get cheeks and seats? That's kind of you know, it's a business at the end of the day. Yeah, I would I would trade Drew Holiday for Chris Paul in a heartbeat. Am I gonna get meaningful years out of Chris Paul? No, I'm not but I can run a pick and roll that's semi-efficient with, with DA Um, and you have still some decent wing players left on that team that could benefit from Chris Paul seeing the floor the way he does. But uh, yeah, Portland loves an old basketball player past their prime. Um, You would have thought that we got like 2007 Carmelo Anthony when he showed up in Portland. Um, And I was just as guilty of it. I was in the nosebleed screaming my head off with the fresh Jersey. Like, You know, so yeah, Portland has a thing for aged basketball players past through prime. So I think if, if they do that, that's a great way to recoup the season from a business standpoint. It's also a a great way to kind of recoup the season from a basketball standpoint too.
0: Yeah. I think there's a lot of angles to to look at that. And I, I, I do agree. I think Chris Paul does more of a benefit for the trailblazers than he will for the golden state warriors uh, especially when you consider the aspect of having a mentor for Scoot Henderson and a young basketball team already having that familiarity with DeAndre. And then they can kind of both have that shared, you know, I don't know what the right word is. Um, maybe help me out here. Uh, just disdain might not, maybe too strong, for, but a chip on their shoulder for how things ended with the sons uh, you know, Poor DeAndre Ayton, man. He, he had a tough relationship with Monty Williams, which I think kind of plagued his whole last year. Uh, I'm not going to get too caught up on that, but like Chris Paul, kind of the way he was let go and saying that he found out from media reports and while he was on a plane and not necessarily having a call from James Jones and sending him off with a smooth farewell. But I, I think that's there's a lot of legs to that, that trade rumor as far as getting chris paul moved from the warriors it's it's hard to imagine that he he suits up for that Golden state team like six starters steve Kerr. like i think that's it's a bit asinine for lack of a better word because we know you can only have five starters and you can talk about having this rotation in and out but at the end of the day someone's going to be be upset about it and either that or you're not going to be putting the best roster out there because you're trying to make everyone happy like mike and i you were you and i were talking about this like does the starting lineup look like? How small are they willing to go? Is it Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Andrew Wiggins? Like that, that means your tallest player out there is six foot eight, six foot nine in Draymond Green. And it's just like, how are you supposed to compete with the likes of Nicole Jokic and Joel Embiid and Bam Adebayo, these bigs in this league that can absolutely bully you down low. It's just, it seems like a tough proposition guys, honestly, but I agree, Mike, with what you said a little bit earlier. I don't think we're done seeing trades here as we're about a week, week and a half away from the NBA training camps firing up. Fellas, this is prime time sports season. The football season is underway. NBA basketball is coming up in like three, four weeks. We're gonna have some preseason action coming your way. The MLB playoffs. Hopefully, we see our diamondbacks playing and then uh hockey. Hockey is also starting up pretty pretty soon. So maybe we'll we'll have some coyotes news sprinkled in. But uh, let's go around the horn here. I want to give you guys the floor for some of your last thoughts. Uh, Nico, I'll go down to you first. We'll go counterclockwise. What, what do you, what do you uh, have on your
2: mind before we get out of here? Um, shame on you, Portland Trailblazers organization. Um, that's really, I, that, that fan base is diehard after spending the seven years I spent up in the Pacific Northwest. There's not a team in Seattle. Um, that team represents two States. Um, As crazy as that sounds, that's a very Pacific Northwest thing. But uh, the Trailblazers should be embarrassed. The way that they handled this Damian Lillard situation, um, as far as I'm concerned, the past three years, maybe four, there wasn't really an attempt to put anything around Dame. Um, It was little pieces here and there, but everybody in Portland had the general consensus that they needed another superstar. Um, that was the whole point is trading CJ McCollum was that we got rid of the poison pill contract to open up cap space, to get another superstar. They couldn't do it. Um, that's, that's tough. And to let a generational talent like Damian Lillard, who can shoot from, Oh, I don't know, just about anywhere on the damn court. Go. Um, that's a problem. Uh, that's my biggest takeaway. Number two, go bird gang. Um, this season has been a lot more exciting than I thought that it was going to be. Uh, I thought we were going to be more miserable here in week four. Um, so, uh, go cards. I'm excited for the Suns. My hands are crossed in prayer for the Diamondbacks. Um, I really, really want playoff baseball. Not that this is any concession, but we are playing important baseball at the end of September. That is big to say. The fact that we are in this spot in general, if you would have asked any of the three of us before the season started, none of us would have said that we would be playing meaningful baseball in the back end of September and early October. So that's my final thoughts. Sorry guys. I know that was long, but that's, that's all I got.
0: All good, man. All great points. Things to keep an eye on. I'm so stoked for the Diamondbacks. Three more games left. They got to win a couple of those, I think, to really shore up that spot. Mike, what do you got for us, brother?
1: Cardinals, let's bring the intensity to Santa Clara. Diamondbacks, let's get it done against Houston. And DeAndre Eaton, I will save my final thoughts for the Heat Check podcast, which will come out on Saturday. But, Nico, always very appreciative of you hopping on, man. You are invited back any and every time man gotta keep us valley fans involved talking about everything that's going on but oh breath of fresh air we're here baby all the sports are alive and well now let's fucking
0: go man my favorite time of the year yes thank you nico thank you mike Anyone who is tuned in, still watching live, or listening back on the playback, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm sure you're liked and subscribed already. But if you're not, go ahead and ring that notification bell so you know when we're going live. You can also catch us at AZ underscore VSP on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and threads. And really, anywhere you just Google Valley Sports Plug, you'll find us, and you'll never miss a beat. But for Michael Benjamin and Nico, I'm Chris Patrick, and we will see you next time. Peace.